What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Expectations are high here. Look, we're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare here. And we've earned being there. And um, uh, what we've accomplished speaks for itself. I don't, I don't have to crunch numbers to, to say what we've accomplished. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. But I do know how to build a football team because I've been around for 52 years. Never change, Jim Ursay. Quartile. Quartile. He's in the upper quartile of the upper quartile. He's (laughs) he's the kid in school who learned a new word. He knows how to pronounce it. He thinks he knows how to use it. So, damn it, he's going to use it. He's getting his money's worth out of quartile. Quartile is the word of the day for Jim Irsay, and he doesn't know what goes in sausage. Guess what, Jim? Nobody knows what goes in sausage. And I think there was probably a saying that he had workshopped that he was planning to roll out then. It just didn't come out the way that he had hoped when it was time to speak extemporaneously. Some people have a very polished and inherent skill when it comes to talking without a script. Some people don't. Jim Irsay don't and every once in a while we're we're treated to a gem like the thing we saw last night and chris let's just start there they pick 8 p.m eastern as the time for their press i mean what the hell that was well it was the smartest thing they could have done that they didn't plan that the the, uh, the upper quartile of management did not plan that they're they're, they did not (laughs) they did not that was like oh wait i got things to do let's just make it at eight o'clock i'm a billionaire I got to do something else with the first quartile of my day. That they're they're, they're the not that smart. There it is. There's the banner. Twenty two thousand to twenty twenty two. The upper quartile of the top quartile of that upper quartile of winners. The wait, wait. This, here's here's my other thing. I want to question why we're just having fun with this for a second. If you were in the upper quartile of the upper quartile, wouldn't you be one of the top two teams in the last twenty years? Right. Because it's the quartile. I think you'd be the number one team. Well, you'd be in the, at least the upper quartile. You'd be eight. one or yeah. two, right? You'd be one or two. So he's That's really right. in the the upper quartile of the top quartile is the top two. Exactly. So he's he's in the the upper half tile of the quartile. He's got to figure out how to say this better next time and sell this listen, the right way. Listen, <laughs> that 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 goes back to the Polian driven stats that they would use to try to to push themselves into the conversation with the Patriots. This all that, that thing that short circuited in his brain last night with quartile, 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 (laughs) it all goes back to the hatred of the Patriots, the jealousy of the Patriots. You know, Ursa has said things like, well, the the greatest team of all time has to win three Super Bowls in a row. Until you do that, you're not the greatest team of all time. And we're going to win three Super Bowls in a row. He would always throw that in for good measure. Right. So I remember when the Colts were in their heyday, 
we would always hear about regular season win percentage, right? And, and, and all the seasons with double-digit wins, all these, like the Aaron Rodgers stats that are impressive but have nothing to do with winning championships. That's the Aaron Rodgers model, and that comes from the Colts and Bill Polian. When they had to stick up their butts about the Patriots, they were jealous of the Patriots. They couldn't compete with the Patriots, so they had to come up with other ways to say we're just as good, if not better, than the Patriots. That's what that last night is a vestige of. And we're kind of far removed from the Colts having any opportunity to say with a straight face that they're in the upper quartile of anything by any measure. Right now, they're not. Right now, they're in the upper quartile of dysfunction. I'll say they're in the upper quartile of the upper quartile of the upper quartile of dysfunction <laughs> in the NFL right now. I mean, and, and it goes back to, and Chris, I, I really, you know, this is one of the times when I have full faith and credit in my pasta and meatballs instinct. Because mm-hmm. yesterday, and I wish I'd said it, I wish I'd tweeted it. Yesterday, I had a feeling some weird shit's going to go down today. I just had that feeling. And, you know, I always strike that balance between you try to be responsible. I mean, I'm not reporting anything. I don't want to light a fuse and make it look like I know something that I don't. But I just had a feeling something was going to happen yesterday. And and I kind of thought maybe Mark Davis was going to, like, throw us a curveball and fire Josh McDaniels or something like that. But I just it's like I just got a feeling something weird's going to happen today. And I never would have guessed – well, I mean, Frank Wright getting fired, okay, fine, even though it was eight days after Jim Hersey saying rather emphatically, according to Mort, that Reich is safe, uh, replacing him with a guy with no college or pro coaching experience. I never would have had that on the bingo card. But I had, I just, <laughs> next time I have that feeling, I am going to embrace it because I had a feeling something weird was going to happen yesterday, and something weird did happen yesterday. Reich is out, and Jeff Saturday hasn't played in a decade and has never coached at the college or pro level, is the interim coach. And the way that Arce was talking last night, he's rooting for this guy to earn the full-time permanent job. <laughs> I don't even know where to start here. All right, so first off, you know, what, so next time you have a, a gut feeling crazy stuff's going to happen, you're going to write an article and write, I, I got a gut feeling crazy shit's going to happen? I don't know, in, I don't know how happen. to communicate it. <laughs> I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm just having fun. I'm not going to keep it to myself. <laughs> right. I know, That's but right. I, I should have at least I should have at least texted – the, I, I should have at least Tech- planted the flag okay, to okay. someone new right. that I had a strong feeling that pasta and meatballs was working strong today. I need to, next time, at a minimum, right. I'm going to do that. So I have receipts. I have no receipts. All right. All right. Let's just start here. Let's unpack this a little bit. It's, it is, it's insane, all of it. I mean, classify under, under this under WTF on a Monday afternoon. Like, what? First off, let me ask you this. Frank Reich. Do you think he really did you think he deserved to be fired? All right, that that's where I want to go. Let me just I'll state my answer for a second. I, I was a little shocked. I mean, I'm not shocked because I know the current status of the NFL and the world we live in, right? But at the same time, I don't know. Damn. I mean, there's been a lot of good there in, in Indianapolis with Frank Reich. I, I, first year, ten and six. I mean, go into Kansas City in the playoff game. We're there on NBC. Most, a lot of reasonable football minds in the world were going, the Colts are one of the hottest teams of football. They're going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs today. All right, they lose to the Chiefs. Blah, 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 and the the snow and sleet. Next year, what happens? Oh, Andrew Luck, the guy that, the reason we're all there and we wanted the job, he leaves. All right. They're still in the thick of things with Jacoby Brissett. Now it's 2020. COVID comes. They got Phillip Rivers. They go 11-5 and five with a guy who can't throw the ball 25 yards down the field <laughs> and have Buffalo Bills on the ropes in the wild card playoff game. And it isn't for Josh Allen making two or three, you know, of the most remarkable only him or Mahomes make type of plays. They're going to win that game and upset them. And then there's last year with Carson Wentz. Where again, you know, I don't know how much to fault Frank Reich for the quarterback situations and all of that, but I don't think he deserves all the blame. And Carson Wentz, of course, they were in it to the very end last year. So that's where I want to defend Frank Reich just a hair here to where I go, I am surprised they fired him at this this point. I don't know, Mike. Just let's start there. What what are your thoughts on that well, first off? Well, I think and they're not gonna tell us candidly yeah. the thought process 
Jim Irsay said enough last night, and I may need to parse through his words and write something about this at PFT, but I think this is something that Irsay's wanted to do for a long time. Mm. And I'm going to go back. I won't go any farther back than the end of last season when all the Colts have to do is go to Jacksonville and beat a horrible team to get into the postseason. To cap off a year in which Carson Wentz, the guy that Frank Reich handpicked, the guy for whom Reich vouched, Reich vouched, had been a disaster. And so they blow that game. Ursay blows a gasket. And I suspect that Ursay said to Chris Ballard after that game, I want to fire Frank Reich and hire Jeff Saturday. And Chris Ballard talked him out of it. I, if I had to guess when this started, that would be to me, when Ursay wanted to do it, Ballard talked him out of it. Let's give Frank another chance. Frank's the right man for the job. Frank Frank saved our asses after we were left at the altar by Josh McDaniels. Frank came in and took over this job. We didn't even consider him. And look at what he's done, especially with Andrew Luck walking away in his prime. Right. Look at what Frank Reich has done for right. this team to keep it from becoming completely and totally dysfunctional. Yep. We owe it to Frank Reich to let him to try to turn this around. So then they get Matt Ryan and everything, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl again. I'm sure at some point in the past six months, Jim Irsay has – blustered about the possibility that the Colts win the Super Bowl this year with Matt Ryan and Frank Reich. And I think it just got to a point where Ursay, and this goes back to, and, and really, look, Ursay, hey, Ursay was everybody's hero when he said what needed to be said about Dan Snyder. But then Matt Ryan gets benched. That was a business move. That wasn't a Frank Reich move. That was Ursay saying, I don't want to be at risk of owing this guy $17 million next year if he gets injured 100%. and he can't pass a physical by right. March. I'm done with Matt Ryan. So he goes first. Then Marcus Brady, the offensive coordinator, goes next. And then Wright goes. And I just think Chris Ballard, who did a great job of keeping a straight face most of the press conference, I think Chris Ballard kept Ursay from doing this Reich for Saturday swap as long as he possibly could. And... Yesterday was the day that the dam broke. That's my that's my guess based upon analyzing the events, the circumstances, and the things Arce said last night. I, I I I don't know if I totally disagree with you there. I wouldn't be shocked if your right your pasta and meatballs are along the the same lines there. Yeah, it, it, you know we we heard some of those rumors. You know I, I think we we thought maybe some of that at the end of last season was Frank Reich in trouble because of the Carson Wentz issue. You know some some stuff like that. Uh, and and then you know this can't just totally come out of left field. Jeff Saturday obviously has to be in the ear of of Jim Irsay to a degree, or there's a relationship there where they're talking football enough to where it's valued, and he's on the radar that way. I mean, I didn't really realize he was a consultant until yesterday either. So there was a little bit more of a relationship than I thought. Um, but, but Mike, I don't, I don't totally disagree with your thought right there. I just, I, I guess I'm still shocked that it happened at this time. And then, I mean, the shocker of all shockers. I mean, forget Frank Reg being fired. I mean, it just is like, what? I mean, this is, I don't care what business you're in. And, and I got respect for Jeff Saturday, and I know what he is, the player, everything. I know every, I watch every ex-teammate, you know, he's a leader of men and all that. But damn, I mean, just to come out of left field and now you're going to be the head coach of a football team that's got, like, you know, John Fox, who's been to multiple Super Bowls as a head coach, and Gus Bradley's on the, on the staff, who's been an ex-head coach and is one of the best defensive minds in football. I just that's where it's weird it's weird throughout it's weird about how's he gonna you know infuse himself into the coaching conversation how are the players gonna look at him and go wait you haven't led a high school team as a head coach and now you're talking he to did. us about he did. oh he did the or high school team high school he coached yeah. high school I didn't know I it was think a head one coach. year the record was three and six though I don't know if he was I, I gotta do a deep dive yeah. on his high school coaching experience gotcha. but my son was telling me last night that one year that the, the team was three and six so you know, uh, which fits because the Colts are three, five, and one. Let, let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah. Because I got some thoughts about this as well. Because I don't blame Jeff Saturday for saying yes. Of course how, not. How, how do you, how do you resist? say no? Sure. I blame those. I blame those who decided to give Jeff Saturday the opportunity. Let's hear from Jim Irsay on Jeff Saturday's lack of experience and and also Saturday on getting that phone call from Jim Irsay, giving him the opportunity to take over the team. Here it is. 
I'm glad he doesn't have an NFL experience. I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear that's in this league. That's because it's tough for all our coaches. They're afraid. They go to analytics, and it gets difficult. I mean, he doesn't have all that. He doesn't have that, that fear, and there was no other candidate. We were fortunate that he was available, um, and he has tons of experience. He knows this game inside and out um, with relationships with coaches and players, um, uh, and, and has been a consultant for us for several years. Yeah, shocked would be an understatement, right? Shock would be an understatement. So, uh, yeah, we, we had the conversation, and it, it escalated quickly. Oh, I would say it did. Now, look, there's going to be some suspicion as to how long this was in the works because it was just eight days before they pulled the switcheroo that Ursay was saying rather emphatically that he's behind Frank Reich. So is this something Ursay just dreamed up in the last week? Again, I think it's been simmering, and it went to full boil after they got completely outclassed and embarrassed by who, Chris? Yeah, the Patriots. The Patriots. Dis- destroyed, right? right. That was right. the worst possible time for Frank Reich to get his ass kicked by the team that Jim Ursay resents and envies more than any other in all of sports. The team that has been the top quartile of the upper quartile of the top quartile of the <laughs> quartile of the NFL for the past 20 years. Now, now, that first comment he made about, I'm glad he doesn't have any NFL experience because our coaches are scared because they get scared by analytics. Hey, Jim, good luck getting anyone to interview for the job after this year. Good luck with that. When you basically say all the coaches with NFL experience stink, they're afraid, they're driven by analytics. I mean, the ones who are driven by analytics are driven by analytics because the owner wants it, not because the coaches want to do it. The coaches don't want to do it. The coaches want to do it the old school way, and they have it forced upon them by some Ivy League 25-year-old kid whispering in his ear what he needs to do, and if he doesn't listen to him, he's got to answer to the owner. So Ursay's got it all wrong. He's just got it all turned upside down. That comment made no sense. That's how someone who has no idea how to persuade an objective outsider of his way of thinking desperately puts words together in the hopes that someone will see the light. There's no light to be seen. It was an asinine comment, and Chris, I'm going to say it. It's a prime example of why fan bases rightfully should be up in arms when you have an owner who is unfit to own an NFL team. Because this is a public trust with millions of local dollars getting pumped into the stadium, pumped into the team, and you have a guy who has no idea what he's doing. And I'm sorry, Jim, I don't care how many years you've been around the NFL – you don't know what you're doing. Well, like this is crazy. I mean, there's no doubt. There's, it's absolutely crazy. And I don't know what the hell he was talking about with analytics either. You know, I, I, I you know me, I kind of liked it. I was like, wow. I mean, is he saying he wants a coach to stop worrying about the damn analytics? I was like, oh, great. And, and I was also going like, well, wait, is is that part of this problem here? Why he didn't like Frank Reich? Was Frank Reich, when they were having conversations, always going back to analytics and, oh, the numbers say do this and do that? Which, you know, again, the numbers are a part of the equation, but I do I think there's coaches in football that are way too but, reliant but the, on that. But that doesn't really right. – yeah, go ahead. But, Chris, the numbers, the numbers are the things that get coaches to do aggressive things. That's where it makes no I, sense. No, it makes no sense. They're exactly relying on right. analytics and they're afraid. They're not scared, the yeah. have opened up this idea of going for it on fourth down. Right, we make fun two. of it. Aggressive, aggressive, yes. aggressive. Hey, it was stupid, but it was aggressive. So, hey, we won't write an article the next day following up and going how stupid it was because the coach said it was aggressive and we're good with aggressive here in America now. As long as you're aggressive, then it doesn't matter. And that is what's going on in football. And we're seeing, again, a lot of teams in football who have gotten the opposite approach of that this year and are winning games and are way at a spot, you know, farther down the road than we expected. The Giants and some other teams like that who are, are not always going for it on fourth down and stuff like that, managing games. But, Mike, I know it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Now, as dumb as all this is or as crazy as it all is, I mean, he's still been very good owner. They've done a lot of good things. But I don't understand this at all. I don't. And I, they've done a lot of good things despite him. I mean, come on. We have to be real about this. If he's going to stand up and be real about Dan Snyder and say what needs to be said, and I applaud Jim Irsay for having the guts to do it. And, 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 and it's amazing how quickly he's gone from, in my mind, a guy who should be championed to a guy who should be lampooned. Well, but okay. We're gonna, we're gonna apply, I, I'm telling you, 
I lo- hey, I, I, I can't I'm all be bad. In hindsight, I'm well. I'm uh, th- th- look. The best thing an owner can do is get the hell out of the way, and maybe during the Bill Polian and Tony Dungy years, he got the hell out of the way. The problem is he's getting in the way now. That's that's the point. Does and, seem that way. I, I don't. I don't. Ca- I don't care what yep. you've done in the past. I, I'm judging you based on what you're doing right now, right. right? It's it's not what have you done for me lately. It's not what you do for me the last 20 years. It's what are you doing for me right now? And right now, I see a guy who is unfit to own and operate an NFL team, and he needs to get out of the way after he makes a good hire. But now he's gotten in the way, and he's made a hire. And, and look, I, I, I know Chris Ballard is on board with this, and I got a ton of respect for him. I have a feeling... I have a feeling he wouldn't have made this move if this decision was his and his alone. I can't imagine you know, that he would. He's, he's At a certain point, you just got to go along. You accepted the job with Jim Irsay. You knew there was a chance things were going to get a little nutty at some point, and they got a lot nutty yesterday. I mean, beyond nutty. We've never seen this in the history of football. I mean, gosh, I hope it works. It's great. It's great because, you know, maybe somewhere down the line, if it does work, you know, I'll have a chance and go, you know what? I'm done with PFD. Some some crazy owner wants to hire me as a head coach. I'm out of well, here. And, <laughs> hey, and, and you won't say no to it because why would you? The problem is, and this gets back to the, the question of people getting jobs when they're not qualified for those jobs. And this goes back 20 years. Matt Millen, completely unqualified to get the keys to the Detroit Lions. And it showed John Elway, completely unqualified to get the keys to the Denver Broncos. They lucked into Peyton Manning, and they won a Super Bowl. But then after Manning, what happened? It went down the commode. You've got John Lynch, who doesn't really have the keys to the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan couldn't hire somebody from another team because you can't hire somebody who's under contract with another team to be the GM if that person doesn't really run the show, and Kyle runs the show, so he kind of had to hire John Lynch. But still... It, it's you know there's been some questions about some of the decisions made by the 49ers from a personnel standpoint but a guy who did not go through the motions work the jobs earn his stripes prove that he's qualified we've seen it we've seen it multiple times and and then the Josh McCown stuff in Houston they were flirting with doing the Jeff Saturday thing with Josh McCown oh and Jack Easterby who just got fired a few weeks ago by the Texans who was completely unqualified to be, to be the VP of football operations I, I, and this is the thing that regardless of whether you're a minority candidate or you're white, if you're qualified, if you're among the vast pool of qualified candidates, you should be pissed when someone who lacks the objective qualifications is given an opportunity that you have busted your ass for years to earn. These folks have earned it. What's Jeff Saturday done? He's been on ESPN, and he was coaching a high school team. He has not put in the time to earn it, and it makes it harder for you to have the credibility when you walk into the locker room as the head coach because everyone in there knows you haven't earned it, and that's what he's got to overcome. And again, I don't fault him for saying no, but he's, he's dragging this ball and chain around because he did nothing to earn it. He played thousands of guys play there's a difference between playing and coaching and he's done nothing at the college or pro level no coaching experience Chris he's the first one since the Minnesota Vikings an expansion team in 1961 hired Norm Van Brocklin who had been the NFL's MVP in 1960 as quarterback of the Eagles the Vikings hired him that next year 60 he's playing 61 he's coaching the Vikings that's the last time it's happened and of course you know, it's not going to get the kind of scrutiny that this would because the world has completely changed in 62 years. But I, it's just amazing to me. This is on par with Jerry Jones buying the Cowboys and saying, I'm going to make myself the GM. That's as crazy as it is. I, I mean, this might be crazier. I, I don't know. I don't know. But you're right. This is the challenges they're going to they're going to have to overcome here. And, and I don't know where it goes. You're right. I mean, you talk about the respect in the locker room. Uh, again, getting in front of the coaching staff and starting to delegate responsibilities and, hey, this is what we're going to do at practice today and, hey, this is where I think we should go with the game plan this week and all of that, it just seems all out of left field. You're right. I mean, not to say that this Jeff – Ted Lasso shit. Well, I mean, it Ted, is. One of the reasons I never, I've never really gotten into Ted Lasso is the premise is so absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I can't suspend disbelief to accept it long enough to even watch it. And I'm sorry. I know you're required to love Ted Lasso. Emmy is – all this – 
I, I can't get into it because I can't accept the idea that a, a Premier League soccer club would hire a mid-level and a college coach to come. I just, it's like, it makes no sense. This is almost in that same category, Chris. It it it, it totally is. It it really is. And I you know again, that's I I just this is like the best reality TV we can get 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 into here, uh, and we'll see where it goes. But shocker is to say like that's the understatement of the day. I I am totally out of left field. Craziness. Absolute craziness. And not to say that this guy can't be a head coach or doesn't have it in him, but I think to your point, it's usually like, hey, get in the building and be an assistant a little, get to see how the donuts are made, and then, hey, three, four, five years down the road, okay, that that's time to do this. But, uh, I mean, this is just totally starting from scratch, and not only starting from scratch, but in a team right now that's got to be, you know, scratching their head. A little bit, not only about the the coaching decisions, but also just like, man, where are we going as a football team here? It seems like we're slowly falling apart. And now we got a guy here that's never really been a part of us, doesn't know us, and what, he's going to lead us out of the darkness? That's where, like, none of that makes sense. And you know football's got a lot of that military background and command system and all that, and this totally throws all of that, you know, out of whack completely. One of the things that Chris Ballard, the GM of the team, said yesterday that, that caught my ear yeah, was that they had tried a couple of times to get Jeff Saturday to join the coaching staff. They tried in 2019 to get him to be the offensive line coach. They tried again this year. The whole idea of after the loss to the Jaguars, I want to fire Frank Reich. I want to hire Jeff Saturday. Well, Jim, you know, that probably would be a little unconventional. Why don't we try to get him on the coaching staff first, and then let's let's get him some – Let's make it easier on him if you ever do make him the head coach. Let's get him some experience. Let's give him a chance to say, hey, I've been in the building. I've been coaching these guys. I've learned the ropes that way. Let's just not thrust him into the head coaching job. That's the easy argument back to Jim Ursay. You can't put this guy, if you love this guy and respect this guy and believe he can be a great coach, you can't put him in the situation where he's walking through the door with no experience whatsoever. We need to get him to come be the coach but, of the offensive line yeah. for a while, and then we can make him the head coach. But Saturday rejected it. See, he had an opportunity. If he wanted to get on this treadmill, get on this path, work his way toward being a head coach, he would have done himself a hell of a, a huge favor by joining the effort at a level lower than head coach. Then it's easier to sell to guys like us. And to, I mean, the average fan is like, what the hell's going on? Everybody's saying what the hell's going on. He, they, they, they would have been wise to not hire him unless he was willing to come in and be kind of an apprentice, be an assistant coach, learn the ropes that way. It makes it easier for everyone to accept when you make him the top guy. Yeah, de- definitely. De- no question. I mean, it's, this, is, this is crazy. It is. And I, I guess – uh, you know, the one thing just – I haven't watched this full press conference yet because, of course, you know, it happened at 8 o'clock like you talked about, and I kind of just watched the highlights of it right after the game last night. So I want to watch the full thing. But it, it does get the sense of watching what I have seen, what I've heard over the last year or so, maybe connecting a few dots from things I've heard from other people in football too, where it's like – I, you know, and of course, what happened yesterday? Like, Ursay's just sick of Frank Reich. Maybe he doesn't want anything to do with anything on that coaching staff or any influence of Frank Reich with those type of guys that he's brought in or whatever. You know, th- that's where it it all seems odd. It does, and and you know, I don't know how much he got influenced in the firing of Marcus Brady last week. You know, but but it all just seems like that's been festering. You know, to your point about the end of last year and some of those conversations, there's definitely some of that, I think, on a lot of people's radars across the NFL. When Jim Irsay said what he said about Daniel Snyder last month when the owners gathered for a quarterly, not quartile, but quarterly meeting in New York, the thinking was Irsay is trying to fashion a different legacy for himself and that that's why he did what he did. And to the extent that he is thinking about legacy, and at some point we all hopefully live long enough that we can think about our legacy, the team is part of it too. He's talked big. He's boasted regularly and repeatedly about how great the team is going to be and all the Super Bowl wins they're going to have. They got one in all of his time as owner of the team. Now, I think the the Colts won it 
in Baltimore pre yeah pre swap. Right. One of the great stories. Carol Rosenblum owned the Colts. Robert Ursay owned the Rams, and they just traded franchises. Right, straight up, straight up traded franchises. I think that was that may have been post, but I have to look that up. But I'm pretty sure it was. One, yeah, one with Jim Ursay as in charge. Right, and they, they've had it. You look, they, should they have one more? I mean, you look at the Packers the last thirty years. They should have won more. The Colts should have won more. But he may be thinking about his legacy here. And he may be injecting himself into these decisions and expressing greater urgency and making greater demands. And again, there's a subtlety that you're allowed to have as a billionaire. You don't have to make direct orders. People who want to continue working for you will figure it out. I think Jim Irsay has shifted into, I'm going to start giving orders. I'm going to start putting the ingredients into the meat grinder to make the sausage, even though I have no idea what goes into it. I think that Chris is is uh, what's going on here. He's thinking about his legacy and he's feeling desperate based upon what's happened the past few. Years. I, I don't disagree with that thought. I, it, it, you know, we, we talk about that. We talk about all you know, owners as they get older. I, I mean, I think you're saying the right things. They start to think about, you know, their legacy and, you know, how many more years do I have here to have a chance to win the Super Bowl, get Super Bowl? I want more of them. So uh, maybe that is leading to the rash decisions, but. Yeah, this is this is like the craziest thing we've ever seen. And I'm like now can't wait to see the Colts and what happens on Sunday and what they look like and what's their approach and what's Jeff Saturday look like on the sideline. And what's he going to do the first time he's got a real situational football and he's got to deal with it. He hasn't even thought about some of these things. He hasn't even practiced some of them. Like, wait, it's third and three. Let me I mean there's there's nothing He's had no chance to go through some of these things in his mind to prepare for this moment. And that's where I just can't imagine it going all that smoothly. You know, as much as I respect the guy, this is just, this is a lot to handle and a lot to, to deal with. And um, we'll see where it goes. But that's the craziest move of the well, year so far, hey, by, by far. To, it's the craziest in-season move that I can remember, and that's not hyperbole. This is the nuttiest thing that any team has done in season <laughs> that I can ever recall. I think you're and right. Maybe there's something else that I've forgotten, but holy crap, to do this. This, I mean, sometimes it's circumstances that arise, like the Gruden stuff last year. That wasn't a decision made by the Raiders. That just happened, and you had to deal with it. I'm talking about unforced error. We're going to do this during football season. Unbelievable. And, Chris, here's the other wrinkle to it. They don't know who's calling the plays. I, I know, Mike. Fair, fairly important. Fairly important job function. When we have the ball, who is deciding, do we run, do we pass, and which play are we actually going to deploy from the playbook that Frank Wright created? It's it's unbelievable. And uh, Jeff Saturday said at the press conference, it started at 8 Eastern last night, he's going to make the decision tonight. There's still nothing yet about what the – the decision is, but I mean, Chris, what do you do on? T- okay, they play the Raiders on Sunday. Josh McDaniels, what, what staff, ex-Patriots coach, what, by the way. Yeah, well, and and the guy and the guy who, yeah, I who, know, who was the Colts coach until he wasn't. Right. What would a coaching staff normally be doing on a Tuesday? It, it's full. It's all. All they're doing is breaking down the team that they're going to play this, you know, coming week. It's all about that and then starting to formulate the first and second down game plan of the week. What are we going to do? You know, what are the runs we like? What are the passes we like? What are we going to infuse in the play action pass to put it all together, right? What are some of the checks and packages we're going to put together for the for the first and second down, you know, game plan of the week? That's it's, it's all that it is. It is truly a breaking down meetings, conversations. We're going to attack this. Wait, we're not good at this. They're good at that. We can't do these formations because of that. So we have to limit that this week. All of those things to where definitely behind the eight ball. And then, yeah, there's no Frank Reich, the guy who's the the end-all, say-all, be-all offensive coordinator, especially with Marcus Bradley being out of there. So that's where, yeah, I don't know who this falls on. I don't know if it ends up going to another 
you know, off, uh, like Kevin Mawai, he's on the staff as an assistant offensive line coach. Maybe he gets involved here, the quarterback coach. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, Scott they're Milanovich limited. Is the quarterback yeah, coach. right. So that would be one guy I would think is, you know, going to be in the running, probably the top candidate to call the plays this but week. These, these are things that you can't be figuring out five days before a no. game. No. Think about it. Under normal circumstances, when we are trying to identify the teams that may fire a coach, and we know they have somebody on staff that would be a candidate, a clear candidate to be the interim head coach. We say, well, that's something you, you want to try to do at a bye week so you have time to make the adjustment. Or at a minimum, coming off of a Thursday game so you have time. They're going Sunday to Sunday. They make the firing on Monday. They introduce Jeff Saturday Monday night at 8 Eastern. He's been running ragged all day long. Now he's got to figure out who's going to call plays. And now they've got to get the coaches on the same page and figure out what the hell they're going to do by way of game planning, detailed and specific game planning for the Raiders. And then they got to roll it all out in practice on Wednesday when the players come in. And along the way, he's got to meet with the players and make sure that they're comfortable with what has happened. You're going to have guys who are pissed. You're going to have guys who are at a minimum given the side eye to this entire situation. And and you got a game on Sunday. And Oh, and Chris, one more thing. We're going to see them three times this year in standalone games. We're going to see them twice on Monday Night Football, and they are scheduled week 13 to play the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. Now, some might say the league could decide to flex that game, but it's the Cowboys. You don't flex out of the Cowboys when the Cowboys are good. Rule of thumb. You could put any team out there, and it's going to be Sunday Night Football, America's team. So we're going to see them week 12 Monday Night Football against the Steelers, week 13 Sunday Night Football at the Cowboys, week 16 Chargers Monday Night Football, non-flexible. So we're going to get to see this experiment in real time three different times over the second half of the season. Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, to me, it's like, don't move it now. If, if Frank Reich and company were there, I'd go, let's move it. But now, as Jeff Saturday, I want to see it, for, you know, firsthand. So this will kind of be fun, even though they're not deserving to be in some of those, you know, spotlight games like that. But, geez, and I, I, yes, I'm all in it. I want to see it. I wanted to see the decisions made. Uh, but, yeah, that Raiders-Colts game this week now got very interesting because of this situation. And, and look, it's a balance we strike. And I'm not going to measure my comments. I'm not going to hedge my bets in the event that Jeff Saturday ends up being Vince Lombardi. We see that all too often when college coaches come to the NFL. You'll see people who are like, oh, this guy's going to be great. Because what's the harm in saying that? Hey, we're, we're, we're positive here. Go, coach. Because if he's good and you've said all the nice things about him, he's more likely to take your phone call. Screw that. Okay, this is a mess. This is an embarrassment to the shield. This should not be happening. It's an affront to all the folks out there who have been busting their asses to get real credentials and real qualifications. That's the problem. Now, I'm not saying I'm rooting against Jeff Saturday, but it shouldn't have happened. And, and I'm not going to back off from that just because Jeff Saturday may be upset with me and I may not be able to interview him at some point. I don't care about that. I care about speaking the truth. And the truth is this should not have happened. We need to take a break. When we return, something happened to Josh Allen's elbow on Sunday late in the game against the Jets. Will it keep him from playing on Sunday when the Vikings come to town? We'll discuss that next here on BF2 Live. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. A lot is being discussed about a lot of the conversations about Josh Allen and how his elbow is. Can you provide us any update on um, based on the report that was out there today? Uh, yeah, um, you know, we're just going through it, still evaluating it. We'll see where it goes. I'll, I'll know more uh, in the next 24 hours and then uh, and probably be able to check in with you guys back on it on Wednesday. The one definite thing I can tell you is we all know Josh and how competitive he is, and he loves to compete, loves to be out there with his teammates. Um, so, you know, I would never count him out, uh, but that is a, that is a 
that's the one thing I do know about him is, is that right now the, the medical piece uh, we're still evaluating and I'll know more again for myself even tomorrow morning a little bit more and then I'll, I'll next talk to you guys on Wednesday and I'll update you then. That's a great example of the difference between seeing words on paper or on your phone and seeing the delivery. That is not a confident man about the availability of Josh Allen on Sunday. That was my read. He was subdued. He was cautious. He does not seem like the kind of coach who would be saying, eh, it's no big deal. We'll be fine. They, this, could be, this could be an issue. Short term, I'm not saying long term. I'm just saying based upon, you may disagree with me, but based upon my read of the way he said those things, he's, he's worried right now that they're going to get bad news this morning. Well, I, I hear you there. It seemed kind of, you know, glum, right? Or is that what the word is? Glum, yeah? Glum. Yeah. Well done. Right. It, it, it did. It wasn't uh, what, it, what it read like either. Yeah, it, was, it was some positive words with some not-so-positive body language reinforcement and, and the way you say it. And, and I, you know, again, I don't know. I'm not going to read too much into that. I hear what you're saying. I see the same thing, Mike. I'm with you. It is also a Monday after a crushing loss to the Jets where they probably look at it and go, man, we screwed up, definitely. And then I'm sure there is some fear. I mean, come on. It's the best player in football. It's him or Mahomes. And everything they do is based around him. They're a Super Bowl team because of him. I mean, he's special that way. And so he knows that... You know, like you talked about in the first segment after we got done talking about Saints Bravens, is just, hey, he's, they, they ride him hard. And I don't know if there's any team more dependent on, you know, one guy's abilities than Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. They might be number one. Mahomes is up there. We get that. But I'm, you know, Lamar is up there. That's why they're special. So that's where that's a, a huge injury for this football team. That looked yeah. painful. Uh, it disaster. That looked painful and he was still able to uncork let's have another look at it the hit and perfectly legal this is what happens and this is why they protect quarterbacks because the quarterback is moving against the flow everyone is coming toward him and his body is moving into it that's why they're considered defenseless but there's nothing you can do to say you can't hit the quarterback in the arm they're not going to do that. No. That's a fair and legal and proper hit. It's just stuff happens. It's like the, the hand gets hit, the fingers get broken, and Chris, that doesn't look good, and he immediately knew something was wrong. Now, he was still able to uncork, 70 according yarder. to next-gen stats, the longest throw of the year. Yeah. Uh, and, and that probably didn't make it any better right. to put that stress on his arm right after that, but I, if I'm a Bills fan right now, this is – I'm just – I am – Constantly scrolling, checking, PFT, where's the update, holding my breath, saying a prayer, and hoping that Josh Allen will be good to go. And if he does miss time, it won't be much time at all. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's all you can hope for. I mean, yeah, they don't have Josh Allen. It's, it's Super Bowl hopes down the drain. There, there's no doubt. He is the running game. And, of course, he's arguably the greatest arm in the sport. So he did not play well in that game. He did some dumb things. We know that. Uh, but damn, yeah, this would be huge for this football team. And, and, you know, you talked about it just with the Alvin Kamara and you were talking about that trade and all of that. I mean, yeah, there's, they spread the field. They do quarterback design runs and they look to throw 40 yard missiles down the field. And that's because of the quarterback and who they got there. And then that allows them and their defense to play aggressive off of it because they just know, Hey, wait, we got a quarterback that, Hey, we can be aggressive. He'll answer. Or, you know, he'll, he'll answer and we'll get in a shootout or we'll be up and we can just unleash the Kraken and rush the passer and be crazy that way. So we'll see where it goes. But, yeah, this is a big-time injury right now. And, and you know, and, again, and two, I think added to that, you know, you don't want to deal with this on a week where, wait, we didn't play good at the end of the fourth quarter against the Packers and Josh Allen didn't play good then and then didn't play good on Sunday and now maybe not going to be able to practice this week and deal with that. That's where you worry about it with a 7-1 and football team like Minnesota coming into town. You say unleash the crack and they may have to unleash the Keenum. And the wouldn't Keenum. that be something? If it's Case Keenum and Stephon Diggs going against the Minnesota Vikings, Keenum's first start with the Bills. 
Diggs has been there. The two guys who were on both ends of the Minneapolis Miracle taking on the Vikings. The only thing that would make it better is if it was happening at U.S. Bank Stadium. And we remember vividly that game when the Bills went to Minnesota. That was when we first realized. 2018, the Bills were 17.5-point underdogs. Josh Allen can run. Yeah. Josh Allen was jumping over guys, diving to the end zone. They beat the Vikings handily that day. So uh, th- this, this should not be a 1 o'clock Eastern game on Sunday, with or without Josh Allen. This game has layers and levels of intrigue. And you got the Vikings on the six-game winning streak and the Bills trying to hold it together. And will they have Josh? Won't they have him? We'll find out more today. And obviously, we'll be all day long at PFT. When we return, we're going to take a look back at some quarterback performances from Week 9 with the Game of Word Association. We'll do that next, right here on PFT Live. Oh, a little youth football action. A little Philip Sims. The Coscob Crushers win an overtime thriller. Yep, there he is with the helmet on in the middle there. There's Philip number number two. Already taller than everybody else. What a shock. What a shock. (laughs) Uh, There's EJ uh, Sun, our guy that trolls us and makes fun of us. He's on the bottom left there. He's awesome. What a cute kid. But big victory. Big victory. What on. position does your son play? Well, he's so Mike. Mike, he's you know, play. It's fifth and sixth grade. They call it juniors, junior football, and you know, for some reason here in the town of Greenwich, Connecticut, they have an age limit for the, the whatever. So he he's in sixth grade. The state of Connecticut says he can be in sixth grade, but since he has a birthday in the middle of August, he's what they have deemed two weeks too old. So he can't play quarterback or skill positions. So he played right tackle and defense end. And uh, that's what he had to do this year because he's a little too old. So either way, it was a good. I wondered, I wondered why he's going two gloves if he's playing quarterback. Exactly. Although that's not unprecedented. No, can he pick it? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, so he had to do that this year. He had to get in the nitty gritty and learn how to be one of the big hogs down there and move some people. But big win for them. They lost to that team in the regular season. They were down 13 to nothing in this game that we showed there. And they came back and won in double overtime. So congratulations to them. Good Good times in youth football. Digging deep and getting it done. Congrats to Philip and his teammates. Uh, some others that dug deep or who didn't on Sunday. We're going to do some word association here coming out of week nine. Let's start with the Buccaneers. Tom Brady doing some Tom Brady things. He led the Bucks on the game-winning drive in the final minute. What's the first word or words that come to mind when you think of what Brady did on Sunday? Clutch. I mean, or, you know, as usual. But I guess clutch is what I think of. I, I also think, you know, maybe is this something that could kind of, you know, ignite the fire a little bit here for the ball, you know, the Bucks. I, I'm not totally giving up on the Bucks here. You know, I, I don't know if I'm sitting here going, oh, I think they can get to the Super Bowl, but I still think playoffs and being a pain in the butt, maybe winning a game that they shouldn't win in the playoffs, very capable of that. You know, defense is getting healthy. Offense, it's Strugglesville, but... You know, if they could just stay in the game and stay in these one-score games, well, I like uh, the chances of the Bucks to win the game late in the game because of that. It, it stinks watching them. He's not; they're not good on offense, and he's not very good anymore. It's it's average quarterback play. But damn, if you leave people open or stuff like that, he's going to hit it, and that's what he did. And he was tough, and I give him credit for that. I'm going to stick to one word. Yeah. I think this is a word. I mean, we see it and hear it all the time. It's got a hyphen. Uh-oh. That's my – because every other playoff contender in the NFC, especially the ones who already are penciling in their spots on the playoff tree, they see the Bucks get in and they need to say, uh-oh. Because yeah. – and, and this is – I don't know if you and I had a chance to talk about it. I have a feeling it came up last week because it was one of my things that I brought up like whenever I could. When the Bucks were driving – down 11, fourth quarter against the Ravens. They cut to a close-up. We did talk about this. Yeah. Of Tom Brady, and I thought, that guy is still there. And he lives for these moments. He thrives in these moments. He gets to the playoffs, and it's career playoff game number 48. The first time he walks out onto a field for the wild card round. They yep. win the division, and they're the four seed. Uh, you're going to you, – you, 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 hey, I said this yesterday when Miles Simmons and I were doing the show. Tom Brady versus Kirk Cousins. Who are you taking? Who you taking? I hear you. Kirk Cousins if it's Tom Brady. So watch out rest of the NFC. If they get in, if they get in, 
And they get a test of it this weekend, Chris, because it's Super Bowl atmosphere in Germany. The Seattle Seahawks, they're, they're, they're going to they're get a taste of Tom Brady. Well, I, I'm, I, 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 Mike, I hear what you're saying. I, I mean, they're, they're a team, one, that believes in themselves. I mean, they, they think they're still good. They got some big, bad mofos on the defensive side of the ball still when they're healthy, so they can be that way. It's still Mike Evans and still two good tackles and Chris Godwin and Brady like you talked about. So I hear you there. And then I think you add into the conversation of that team, that organization is going to know it's Tom Brady's last playoffs and it's over after this. Yeah, they would be scary. I wouldn't want to see or have to play them early on in the playoffs either. Hey, he's like the, the runner toward the end of the race who, who finds his stride and kicks it in. He's got eight games left this season and then the postseason, and he's going to shift this thing to overdrive. I mean, look, by all appearances, the, the off-field stuff has subsided now. It's over. It finalized yeah. 11 days ago. Right. It, this can all get rolling in a very positive direction for the Bucks and for Tom Brady. All right, Aaron Rodgers, three interceptions for the first time since 2017, two of them in the end zone. What's your first word or words that come to mind when you look at what Rodgers did on Sunday? Like disappointing? I, I mean, I don't even. I, I, I should have thought about this a little more in depth because I want a stronger word than that. But I'll give stronger words here to explain my disappointment. All right. I mean, one, it's everything we talk about with the issues of their team. Oh, or, you know, again, we get a jam a ball in there, you know, into the tightest window for a two yard gain. That's a horrible throw. Okay. I mean, Bakhtiari was going to have to jump back to catch that ball, even if he could have done that. This was horrible. This went right into everything we talked about. I wish we could show that play in the All-22. He was open for three seconds before that. It was late and behind. I mean, it's just it's, it's what we've seen. It just all came back to roost and got thrown on Rodgers now. It didn't, he can't blame a receiver or what are we doing or we're too complicated. No, it was, it was you, man. It's you. You won't stand in the pocket and make throws down the field. You're looking at the rush. And and it's it's bad body language and it's just like the the Packers are done in my opinion. That was it, the nail in the coffin. I always thought out of the teams between them and the Bucks, the Bucks were the team that can hang in here through this tough time. Yet last week solidified that for me. It's it's the the Packers are not going to the playoffs. I feel pretty good about that. If they do, they barely get in and they'll be done. But uh, that was that was ugly and and just yeah disappointing. The first quarterback song that you ever trotted out on this program that's right was your oh aaron oh, rogers so my word association is oh aaron rogers <laughs> because man it really is falling apart he's never going to come out and admit that he made a mistake they asked him if he regrets not retiring i mean he's not going to say yes i do he's not we're not wired to admit our innermost thoughts and fears and feelings publicly. That's why they stay there. But I think deep down, you get him on a little ayahuasca right now, and he's going to say, what the hell was I doing? And there was a moment in the press conference after the game on Sunday, Chris, where he was asked this question. Uh, where is it? I want to get it right here. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Wait, scroll up a little bit. Um, the question was this. You've been pretty optimistic these last couple of weeks, saying all it takes is one. It sounds like there's a little bit of that left, but how do you, I'm not trying to be disrespectful in saying this, how do you believe that you guys can still turn it around after you guys just lost to that team? That was after the 15-9 yeah. yeah. defeat in Detroit. He paused. Yeah. I timed it. He paused for 13 seconds. He looked down. 13 seconds. Think about that. 13 seconds of silence as he gathered his thoughts for what he was going to say next. And he said, I've been counted out many times in my life, as have many of my teammates. I hope we just dig deep and find a way. We will truly be underdogs for many games moving forward. Hopefully we can embrace that. We have two games at home. we got to win those two games in a week, and then things may look a little different. Look, I, I, I said this yesterday. Don't, don't play the everyone's counting us out card when you're being counted out for good reason. If you're being counted out for bad reason, then use that card. But you played poorly. People are pointing out you played poorly, and they're drawing the logical conclusions that come from noticing that you're playing poorly. It's not on us. I, and I know they use anything they can to get themselves motivated. This feels like Hail Mary, last-ditch effort to start the lawnmower, right? 
Let's you let's Definitely. find you know this is the Tom Brady. Everyone's counting us out. Well, they are counting you out, and you deserve to be counted out because you've lost five in a row, and you look horrible in the process. So yes, and Chris, I still think they could be dangerous if they get to the playoffs. And and I said all along they're better as a six seed than a one seed because yeah. there's less pressure on them. They ain't gonna they get there, Mike. Way, if they could find a way, they get the Cowboys and the Titans Sunday and Thursday, and then the Eagles. About this team in five days, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. they're but gonna they, be three and nine. They, if, if they split the Cowboys and Titans game, if they win one of the two, then the Eagles game becomes interesting. But if they go one and two over these next three, I think they got a problem. Yeah. I, I, they already have a problem. They got a problem. They got a problem. They do. Defense is good, but now you're getting over Sean Gary. I mean, he's the best defensive player on their team. You know? And, and, and again, there's a defense that's good, but doesn't make a lot of plays either. So they don't. They don't, you know, pick sixes, strip sack fumbles. Oh, we gave the ball back to Rodgers at the 15-yard line. You know, there's none of that. So that's kind of the disappointing thing about Green Bay. And then there's no playmaking on the offensive side of the ball either. You know, again, it's the conversation we've had a lot, Mike. Like it came home to roost yesterday. You can't go down the field 13 plays, 14 plays, and think it's all going to go smooth every time. You know, you're going to make a mistake. They're going to make a play. And that was the issue once again. So we'll see where it goes. But, man, I just – I don't see it. I, I don't see how they beat the Cowboys. I don't see how they beat the Titans. And I certainly don't see how you know they beat the Eagles uh, after that. I, I do think they'll be sitting there at 3-9, and nine, and I think it's over for Green Bay. And again, the Cowboys coming off of a bye, too. Two yeah. weeks to get ready. Congratulations. Justin Fields, he broke the record for most quarterback rushing yards in a regular season game, at least since 1940, with 178, beat Mike Vick by five yards. What's the word or phrase that comes to mind when you see what Fields did in a loss on Sunday to the Dolphins? I mean, it's not a real word. Can we write woo? Like woo? Like W-O-O-O-O-O-O? Like, come on. I mean, it's unbelievable what he's become ever since the Monday night football game and them infusing some quarterback design runs. It's made him better player. You know, it's given him some positive vibes to where, oh, wait, I missed this pass, but I just ran for 40. So it's okay. The pressure's not on there. There was too much of a, you know, round peg into the square hole type of thing going on there where they were trying to make him Peyton Manning early in the year. And you're like, wait, the guy's a Greek god. I, I mean, we're seeing here that he is in the class of Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson and Randall Cunningham as the greatest runners in the history of football already. I mean, this is the Miami Dolphins. They got guys all over the field that run 4-3 and can fly, and he's running by them like it doesn't even look like he's going 100%. I mean, that, that's he's got a special, special skill set, and I really think it's made them a better team and it's made him a better thrower and everything because it's given them some positive things and some, some stuff to build off of in that offense there. I was going to say the future is bright. I'm going to say the future is now because they're not done, and there's going to be a scrum for that last spot. It really hurt that they didn't knock off the Dolphins. They got work to do. Yeah. But this is a team, you know, they've torn down a lot, and they haven't begun building up yet. The Chase Claypool trade, I still believe, a move for 2023. But, but, by next year, I think that division is going to be wide open, and I think the Bears can take it over with Fields. I hear you. This guy is on track to becoming a great, great quarterback. We'll take a break. More PFT Live coming at you right after this. As far as Odell, I mean, I think there's two parts to that question. I mean, number one, you know, really, you know, we really love our receiver group, and I, I really like the balance of you know the veterans, you know, versus the young guys. So, um, you know, I think we, you know, we got better, fo- you know, some better football with more opportunities in front of us. You know, but it just, you know, in, in, in particular to Odell, I mean, I've, I've always been a huge fan of his. Um, I know, I mean, from Ben McAdoo and, you know, I mean, Joe Witt, all the guys, you know, between that I've worked with in, in, the, in New York, at New York Giants and, and the Cleveland Browns, uh, everybody has nothing but great things to say about him. Obviously, I've always been so impressed with his, you know, his football playing ability, but I've just heard so many excellent, excellent things about him over the years. So, you know, I, I think those are conversations for the future. Um, but you know, you know, right now we're we're focused on our guys. 
Oh, the future is coming quickly, though. Later this week, Odo Beckham Jr. expects to be fully cleared for practice and playing after suffering a non-contact torn ACL in Super Bowl 56. Jay Glazer of Fox reported on Sunday that the clearance comes this week. There was a report from NFL media that Beckham is on the radar of the Cowboys. Look, the Cowboys tried to trade for a receiver. They tried to get Brandon Cooks. Anybody that tried to get Brandon Cooks and didn't is clearly in the mix for Odell Beckham. You're looking for help at receiver, and you can get this guy without having to give up the draft pick compensation or the $18 million fully guaranteed contract for 2023, which would have come with Brandon Cooks. It's a no-brainer. Cowboys, Rams, anybody that was thinking about Brandon Cooks should be thinking about Odell Beckham Jr. And, you know, Chris, that would be something to see OBJ with the blue star. He's had some big games against the Cowboys. His great catch came against Dallas. He had three touchdowns with the Browns in Dallas in 2019 or 2020. Excuse me. That could be something if it happens. Yeah, it's a good match. That's for sure. I mean, it it makes sense. It's a star power playing for the star, right? He's one of the biggest stars in our sport. You know, they're always welcoming of that. I think it makes sense on the football field, too. Like, Dallas isn't desperate for him. They don't, like, have to have him, but he certainly would help. I mean, that's for sure. Uh, You know, that's where you look at it. And you look at it from his standpoint, like we've talked about, Mike. It's not somewhere where he'd have to go and be dependent on right away. He could work his things in, you know, work his way in slowly. Where, okay, they got CeeDee Lamb. Michael Gallup is, you know, continuing to be better and better here after his torn ACL. Noah Brown is pretty damn good. They are running the ball. They don't need him, but they might need him to beat a team like the Eagles in the NFC Championship game or the 49ers or beat the Bills and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and I think that's where you got to look at it. And if I'm Odell, that's one of the teams I'm looking at. I know there's a lot of teams on the list that we talk about, but, man, if I'm Odell Beckham Jr., like it, 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 I think it's pretty clear in my opinion right now about where you're thinking about going here. Packers, get the hell out of here. No way you go there right now. No way. Rams, I wouldn't go there either. See you later. I think it's it's got to be Kansas City, Buffalo, or the Dallas Cowboys. Those three, if you're Odell Beckham Jr. looking to further your career, strike it rich with the next contract, those are the three that make sense to me. I I wouldn't even put the 49ers in that conversation with those three. I got one more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I think the TJ Hawkinson thing takes them out of the mix. Yeah. But they reportedly were one of the teams that was kicking the tires on Brandon Cooks. Now, again, it may have been either or, Hawkinson or Cooks. And Hawkinson, hey, hey. Hawkinson, for a guy that just walked through the door and didn't know the offense, he was in like 60 of 66 snaps. He had nine catches on nine targets. I mean, they may not not need OBJ. And, And as you said, I've seen others reporting it now. You've been saying it for weeks. Beckham doesn't just want a Band-Aid to the end of the year. He wants something more substantial. He's never gotten, you know, he had the original payday from the Giants. Right. And it wasn't bad, but he hasn't gotten another one. And, and why do this, you know, until the end of the year incentive-driven deal when you can maybe say, hey, you want me for part of the season? You got to lock me up for a couple of years. Yeah, that's Give tough. Me something that gets me gets me to sign on the dotted line and stick around through 2024 or whatever. But do you when think we did that real, draft back realistic? on October 12th. The Cowboys were one of the teams that we yeah. that we pegged, and I think the Cowboys right now. You got you got. I still keep hearing the Bills, the Bills, the Bills. Yeah. But hey, hey, this is the benefit of Beckham being in a position where he can pick the horse during the race and he's able to pick the horse as they you know i don't know any of the horse racing terms they're coming down the final turn as they're coming as they're coming around the final turn and down the right? stretch they come <laughs> i mean why, why the, the longer you can wait to pick the winning horse the better that's a right a lot of stuff shakes out so uh it's gonna be interesting to see what happens yeah all right let's take a break we'll wrap up this tuesday edition of pft live right after this Well, a little news that came from the New York Post yesterday afternoon. Matthew McConaughey getting in on the effort to buy the Washington Commanders. Now, the guy doesn't have the money to be the majority owner. He wants to join 
one of the existing groups. The Post linked him to the Jeff Bezos Jay-Z group. And that would be important because Peter King pointed out in yesterday's Football Morning in America that Dan Snyder will never sell to Jeff Bezos because Bezos owns the Washington Post. Now, anytime never is associated with Dan Snyder, that means he's going to do it. That's the tell. Anytime never, eh, you eventually do it. But, but McConaughey and Snyder are buddies, and McConaughey will help smooth it all over wow. if they can get him on board. And I think McConaughey could be a wild card to whichever group, if the, all the other things are equal, wherever he lands, he could be in demand here. He could be the guy who delivers Dan Snyder to pick that bid. Well, I, I could see him definitely smoothing over, you know, the public a little bit that way. I mean, Matthew McConaughey is one of those rare stars that I don't care who you are. You kind of like him and think you're cool. He's cool. You know, whether you're on the left, the right, whatever, he is. And he is cool. So I would love to see him, you know, at, at midfield like he used to be. When I was at Texas, Mike, I'd run out at midfield. I'd warm up, and he'd be behind me. Seemed like he'd already had a drink or two. And he'd be like, you know, all right, Sims, and all right, all right, all right. I mean, he's hilarious, and uh, yeah, he's got a little cash, and he would be good for the public perception if Bezos could take it over. I, I still can't imagine there wasn't a night that the, the, the two of you I wish there was. Damn, that there wasn't. Stuff, not I, yours. <laughs> yeah. I wish. I wish there was, but <laughs> I tried to make it happen when I was in college. We are done for now. Thanks for some of your time. We'll see you Wednesday morning. Have a great day. See ya. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024. Cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution.